Is anyone feeling uh, Christmassy? Anyone in the Christmas spirit? (laughs) It's the middle of August, but we're talking about the birth of Jesus today. Um, So normally we save that for Christmas, but it happens to be the next section um, in the Nicene Creed. Um, So we've we've read the Christmas story from Matthew. Uh, We're going to have a bit of a Christmas song at the end as well. Um, so just preparing you a few months in advance I know the shops will have you know, Christmas stuff in from next month so we'll just get in there a bit ahead of them um, so last week Ian explained to us who the second person of the Trinity was um, the Son of God um, he's, he's different to the Father but still fully God uh, today we're going to carry on looking at the Son um, and uh, one of what I think is one of the most incredible and also mysterious bits um, of the Christian faith, um, which is the Incarnation. Um, you're probably familiar with the term reincarnation. Um, I'm sure you've all, you've all heard that um, explained. Um, so, so the Incarnation is God taking on human form. Um, so here's what the Nicene Creed um, says about the Incarnation. It says, For us and for our salvation... He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. So I'm going to try and unpack that for us today. Um, We're going to deal with each line one at a time, but just to be a bit confusing, I've changed the order of them. Um, So I've put the first line last. Um, So we're going to start with the second line. Okay, hopefully that's not too confusing to get your head around. Um, so we're going to look at uh, the, the four different lines, and I think they kind of give us four sort of different angles um, on the incarnation. So first of all, the second line. Um, I feel like I'm doing charades there. First, second line. Um, he came down from heaven, and I think this tells us that the incarnation was sacrificial. So as we've said, the he in that sentence, uh, he came down from heaven. That is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. So the baby Jesus was really God in the flesh. Uh, if you still got Matthew 1 open, look down at verse uh, 23. Um, it says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now Matthew was quoting from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Um, and God was often said in the Old Testament to be with his people. Um, so first, firstly in the, in the tabernacle, and then in the temple, there was a place, and um, there was part of it, a room called the Most Holy Place, where they stored the Ark of the Covenant. And that was said to be God's presence um, with, with Israel. That was where God dwelt with his people. But this is, um, is something different. God isn't coming to his people in spiritual form but he's coming in the form of a person. He's not with his people in in an abstract way, but he's he's actually being born into the human race. Um, Luke and John both confirm this for us in their their Gospels. So Luke 1 verse 35 says, uh, So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Um, And last week we read John chapter 1, um, and it it says in there that, the Word became flesh. The Word being Jesus, being the Son of God. 
uh, the Bible doesn't let us get away with saying that Jesus was just a man, that he was just you know, a teacher or a great moral example um, or anything like that. Um, it, he was the visible image of the invisible God, the Son as a human son. Um, but doing that wasn't free. It, it did cost God something. It cost the creator to become something created. Um, in, in Philippians, um, Paul says that Jesus, uh, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So Jesus took on a human nature that was just like ours, um, he was bound by time, he was bound by the laws of nature, uh, he got physically tired and hungry, he suffered pain, he suffered the death of friends, and, and obviously his own death as well. Obviously he did incredible things that, that we can't do. Um, you know, he healed the sick with words, and, um, and he told the storm to calm down. But, his, his, yeah, so I guess his divine nature wasn't switched off fully um, and he, he was still fully God but he was also fully human so the next line of the creed is um, that he was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary so the incarnation was miraculous um, Jesus was born he was born as a baby but it wasn't an ordinary birth so look down at uh, back at Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And uh, verse 20, Joseph, son of David, this is the angel talking to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. As you know, normally to make a baby, you need a man and a woman, but there's no man involved here. Mary's a virgin and Jesus doesn't have a human dad. So Jesus was conceived by the work of the Holy Spirit. And there have been people over the years who have tried to deny this. And I've even heard preachers say, this is just, you know, this is just symbolic. The writers of the Gospels were just trying to, um, you know, not put Mary to shame in the fact that she was having a child outside of wedlock, which would have been very shameful in those days. But Matthew clearly claims that this, that this is true, um, that Mary was a virgin, um, and that she became pregnant. Um, and he also, Matthew announced it as the fulfilment of a specific prophecy as well. And I think the fact that it's included here in the creed, I mean, in said it earlier, the creed is supposed to be a summary of the faith, it's kind of distilling down everything that we learn about God, all of the really important stuff in the Bible so why, why, why would they include this bit, what is so important, why does it matter that Jesus was not conceived in the normal way um, I think there are, there are three reasons, at least three reasons uh, first of all it shows that God's plan of salvation wasn't achieved by human effort it was, it was all about God. God did it all himself. Second of all, it means that Jesus was not 
um, a, a direct descendant of Adam uh, in the same way that me and you are. In Romans 5, Paul says that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. So Adam was the first man and his sin uh, has been inherited by every generation since. And so we're under God's judgment. But Jesus was a new man. He wasn't born in the same way. Um, He didn't inherit the sin of his fathers in the same way that me and you have. And because he wasn't under the curse of sin, it meant that he was able to break the curse of sin for us. Thirdly, it means that Jesus was both God and man. If, if it had been a normal birth, then how could we have really said that Jesus was God? But as we sang in the song earlier, son, he's the Son of God and the Son of Man. So Jesus is both human and divine. So the incarnation was miraculous. Now the final line of the, the section that we're looking at is... Um, says and became truly human um, I think the, the version we read was slightly different obviously it's kind of translated from Greek I guess um, it's slightly different translation but um, this is essentially what, what it says and became truly human but how, how can that be? How can Jesus be both fully God and fully man? Are they like contradictory things? So so the third, the third thing to say about the Incarnation is that it is um, paradoxical. Um, I'll explain what that means. So a paradox is something which is, or at least seems to be, kind of contradictory. It doesn't quite make logical sense. Let me give you some examples. Um, if you've ever watched any TV, um, like sci-fi or, or films, you'll be familiar with this one. I was watching Back to the Future last night, so I've essentially ripped it off that. Um, but if, if, if we were able to time travel, if you could travel back and stop your parents from meeting, you know, whether that's accidentally or whatever, um, if you if you'd travel back and stop them ever meeting, then you would never be born. But if you was never born, then you couldn't possibly go back to be able to stop them meeting. There's no kind of solution to it. It's, it's a paradox. What about this, this one? This is a good one. If I ask you the question... Is the answer to this question no? Think about that for a second. What's the solution to that? Is the answer to this question no? <laughs> Good answer. Um, yeah, it can't, it can't be yes, can it? Because then the answer is not no. But if it's no, then it can't, it can't be no because the answer is no. It's crazy. Um, th- this is this is one of my favourites. Um, Imagine that there's a small town, and in this small town, there is one barber, okay? And all the men are in, like, one of two groups. Either uh, they shave themselves, or the barber shaves them, okay? There's, there's no overlap between them. Either they shave themselves, or the barber shaves them, okay? Who shaves the barber? Which group does he belong in? Because if he shaves himself then he's getting shaved by the barber, which is himself. So, so he also belongs in the other group. 
Yeah? Do you get that? It's a bit weird, okay? That, so the point I'm trying to make is that, that that's what a paradox is. It kind of seems like those things can't be true. By the way, the answer to that one is that um, the barber was a woman. So, <laughs> it didn't have to be in either group. <laughs> Did anyone, any of you get that? No. <laughs> so, what is, the, what is the paradox here? The paradox is that Jesus is fully God and he is fully man at the same time. Both of those things are affirmed in Scripture um, that in Jesus existed a human nature and a divine nature, not two separate people, but one person with two natures. Um, how can we reconcile them? Well, I think um, people have kind of gone down dangerous paths in church history of trying to make those things fit. And more often than not, it comes out with one of these possible solutions. So, they might go down a path that leads them to say, Jesus was fully man, but not fully God. Or vice versa, it might lead them to say, Jesus was fully God, but not fully man. Um, I think so, some people have said that there was some kind of, you know, multiple personality thing going on, you know. There, there was actually one, one person with a human nature, one person with a divine nature, and they existed in the same um, body. Um, some people have said that Jesus didn't have a human or divine nature. He had some kind of weird mixture of the two. But I think it's really important that we don't try and um, reconcile them in that way. Um, I think we can, we, can, we can accept it and we can, we can marvel at the truth um, without fully getting our heads around it. So just, just think about some of these things that are in the Bible. Um, I, I've been amazed by some of these this week and I hope that you are as well um, so I've got, I've got ten of these um, one Luke chapter 2 verse 40 says and a child, obviously Jesus grew up and became strong that is the sovereign Lord of all the universe had to become strong in the same way that we need to be, become strong by you know, eating food and exercising, Jesus had to become strong. Uh, two, Luke chapter 4 verse 2, um, when Jesus was in the wilderness, it says, he ate nothing for those 40 days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Jesus created all of the food that we eat, but he was hungry. Uh, three, because Jesus was born as a baby, he had to learn to do things like me and you. For example, he had to learn to speak. Um, we used the name for Jesus earlier, the Word of God. So the Word of God, by whose voice all things were created, had to learn to speak. Isn't that just incredible? Uh, for as a baby, um, Jesus was helpless. And he was totally dependent on his, on his parents to look after him, just like we are. But at the same time, as the second person of the Trinity, he holds the whole universe together. These things are happening at the same time. So he's, he's kind of helpless and dependent on the one hand in his human nature. And yet in his divine nature, he's holding the whole universe together. Uh, five, as the Son of God, 
Jesus is eternal. He wasn't created. He has always existed. Um, but in the incarnation, he, he is made. He has a beginning. The, the bodily form of Jesus had a beginning. So he was eternal and yet bound by time. Uh, six, in Luke chapter four, um, we, we read how the people of his hometown, um, Nazareth, didn't think he was anything special. They were, they were amazed when he, he started doing miracles and stuff. Um, when, he was, when he was 13 and he started his ministry. Now, Nazareth was like a, just a, kind of a small working class, kind of backwater town in Israel. And Jesus was nothing special there. You know, the, the, the awesome God that we worship was living in obscurity, I guess, for 30 years. Uh, seven, Jesus is the giver of life. As we've seen, all things were created through him. And yet, he went through the agony of, of the death of friends and obviously his own death as well. Uh, eight, Jesus calls himself the fountain of living water. But there is a, there's a point where he has to stop for a drink because he gets thirsty. Uh, nine, God is omniscient. means he knows all things. And yet there were things that Jesus didn't know. For example, he didn't know when he was going to come back after he ascended to heaven. And ten, the Bible says that God cannot be tempted. But Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness by the devil. Uh, I could go on, um, and I'd encourage you to kind of to think about that as you're, you're reading through the Gospels. And Jesus was truly human. He had, a, he had a human experience, just like me and you. Um, he felt tired. He got physically weak. Um, he, he knew trouble and sorrow and suffering. And this is really important. God could have sent him into the world as a, as a fully grown man. Um, you know, often you read about kind of incarnations of gods of other religions and they kind of come into the world as a as a man um, or woman. Um, but if, if Jesus hadn't been born, if he hadn't had the full human experience like us, then he wouldn't have been able to fulfill uh, God's plans. Um, so now we'll go back to the first line uh, of um, this section of the creed. Um, for us and for our salvation. So the incarnation was purposeful. So, um, yeah, for us and for our salvation, I guess this gives us a reason for everything that we've talked about so far, which is, I, that's why I put it last. This, this is kind of the reason for everything. God didn't send Jesus into the world for a bit of a jolly, you know, to have a good time, to check up on us, to see how we were getting on. He sent Jesus into the world to save sinners. That is the reason. God, God had a plan. Um, look back at verse 21 in Matthew 1. Uh, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So God became human for us. The goal of the incarnation was the salvation of sinners. 
God loves us so much that he came from heaven and made those sacrifices that we've talked about um, so that we might be saved. But again, I guess it's good to ask the question, why? Why did God need to come as a human in order for us to be saved? I think there are lots of reasons, um, but here's a few of the main ones. So first of all, he is our example. Um, some of you know that um, I do karate um, with Sam as well. Um, and sometimes the sensei, that's the, the teacher of the class, tells us to pair up. And he might say to one of us, okay, uh, I want you to do a, like throw a, throw a head level punch at the other person. And the other person's got to block it. Now we could say to us, okay, go on, get on with it. And we could just, you know, make up some block, however we want to do it, and, and hopefully stop the person punching us in the face. But it's much better if he demonstrates to us what the best block is to use in that situation so that, you know, we, we kind of have the best, the best effect so that we can not just block them, but, you know, put ourselves into a good position, not hurt ourselves as much, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's always better to be given kind of a, a demonstration rather than just to be given abstract instructions. Um, so thinking about Jesus, um, this is an example of an example. God tells us to love people. Um, and I guess the example that Jesus, or an example that Jesus gives us of that is socialising with the outcasts of society. So Jesus can be our example because he, he lived like us in the world. Uh, secondly, Jesus is our representative. If we trust in God, when God looks at, at, at us, to see how our life has gone. He will see all of the good things that Jesus did. The, um, the, the, kind of the perfectly obedient life that Jesus lived. Uh, Jesus had to succeed where we failed. If you're a representative, you've got to do um, what the person you're representing was supposed to do, haven't you? So Jesus had to live the life that we couldn't in order to be our representative. Uh, thirdly, uh, Jesus is our substitute. He died in our place. Hebrews chapter 2 says, For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Uh, so in other words, Jesus had to become human so that he could die in our place, taking God's anger upon himself instead of us taking it on ourselves. Fourthly, Jesus became human to sympathise with us. The very next verse in Hebrews says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So when we're struggling with temptation, Jesus is able to help us with that, because he himself faced the same kinds of temptation. Uh, and when things are not going well for us, when we're facing hardship, Jesus can be a comfort in that, because he himself all of the hardships that we go through. You know, sometimes we can, um, can criticise like politicians or maybe our bosses at work 
you know, they're sat in their ivory tower, they've got no idea what it's like on the ground, they don't know what my situation is like. Well, that's not true of Jesus, because Jesus came and lived alongside us, and he knows what we're going through. What, what an amazing comfort that is to us. And finally, the final reason is that Jesus um, had to have a human body so that he could be resurrected bodily. The Bible talks about Jesus being the first fruits of the new creation. He, he paved the way. He shows us what is going to happen uh, to us if we trust in him, that we will be resurrected bodily and become a part of the new creation. We all, all of those things, we could kind of um, Sonia and have a, have a sermon all on their own. They're all massive truths. Um, and there, there, is, there is so much more that could be said um, about God becoming man. Um, but, but we're going to finish here. Um, but in way of application, I just, I just want to urge you to, to keep reading and to keep thinking about this. Fully God, fully man. Fully man and fully God. Jesus was both things at the same time. The incarnation is as magnificent um, as it is mysterious and as brilliant as it is baffling. And I mean, you might be quite frustrated at that. You might think, oh, I just want to, I want to work it out. I want to, I want to know. I want to be able to nail it down. But I think it's good that there are some mysteries um, about God that we can't wrap our heads around. Um, God is. God's mind and God is infinitely bigger than our kind of puny little brains um, and, and we're not going to understand everything at least not this side of heaven this is probably the most awesome truth in the Bible uh, that God became man let's pray